0: Welcome to the Celtics Pride Podcast on Celtics
1: Blog. I am Adam Motenko. With me as always, my twin brother, Josh Motenko. That's right. I'm just like the Celtics right now. It's, I'm 2-2. I'm two and two. I'm average, but it feels like I'm 1-3. and three. And our good friend, Mike Minkoff.
2: How's it going, gentlemen? I'm going to be dunking all over you guys the way Jalen Brown just dunked on Miles Bridges in overtime. Let's go.
1: That was huge. That was huge.
0: Today on the podcast, an instant reaction to this game against the Charlotte Hornets. Game four of this this young season. We're also going to look back at the first three games of the year. And as we typically do during the regular season, we're going to look ahead to the future schedule. But first, this Hornets game. Oh, my God, that was touch and go for a while there. Huge steal by Marcus Smart to end regulation. Uh, and 12 nothing run by the Celtics in overtime. Mike, let's go to you first. What, were you, what are your reactions to this game?
2: I'm alive. So that's good. I'm glad. Uh, that was touch and go is a great way to put it. Um, you know, Dennis Schroeder gave me a heart attack when he took that three, when it was 20, 129, 126 Hornets and overtime, and then he made it. So I didn't know what to think. Um, overall, I mean, Tatum had a phenomenal game. Hmm. Uh, the team generally showed a ton of resilience. I mean, it, you know, I was a little nervous and we'll, we'll talk more about this later, but after like the Raptors game, um, I was worried we might just fold when the, when the Hornets went up, what was it? 10, 11 with, uh, about five minutes to go. Um, yeah. and the team just, you know, got, got their, you know, what together, uh, rallied back, um, had a really strong close to the quarter with the exception of that final possession of regulation. And, uh, eked it out and or or more than eked it out, really really pulled it out in, in overtime. So it's uh that's obviously uh you know probably Ime feels like that's his first real win as an NBA head coach. Um and it's it's uh a, a nice feather in the cap for this team uh after a bumpy start to the season.
0: Josh thoughts on the game?
1: This this is a wild game. I'm more like
2: I'm thinking a lot
1: about the teams we're playing. I'm thinking about like how much I enjoy watching LaMelo Ball play and, and the Hornets team in general. And uh, for this game specifically, you know, they, they had a quick shot of Terry Rozier on the bench kind of towards uh, the end of regulation and another shot in overtime. And I just kept thinking about, you know, what he would be doing if he was out there on the court against his old team. Um, so they were a little shorthanded, but, you know, they're giving us a run for for our money with this game. And it seems like that's what every team has been giving us. Even the Houston game was was a close game kind of until the, the end of the third quarter. So uh, we're getting challenged every single night, you know, and, and you can chalk up our one loss, I feel like, to, you know, the double overtime situation and, and all the minutes our guys played after the first game. But I feel like that's kind of the easy way out. The truth is that, like, we haven't played all the way well. And the East is a beast this year. I feel like – there's 11, 12 teams in the East that, that are, are not slouches. And I feel like we're kind of in the middle of the pack right now. So this game feels like a a perfect epitome of the the season so far. Um, I'm glad we, we eked out the win there. Um, Yeah. I mean, we're lucky. We're lucky that Marcus Smart uh, got kind of hit in the face by LaMelo ball to try to get open for that final possession when LaMelo fouled out, you know, if he hadn't gotten hit in the face, it wouldn't have been the same call. And and, and then, you know, they would have had a shot at winning the game. So, you know, this was closer than it felt.
0: Certainly Tatum and Brown carried this team, this game. Uh, but I also want to shout out a couple of other players that I don't think uh, we would have won had they not played as well as they did. The first is Robert Williams. 36 minutes in this game, 16 boards, four assists, three blocks, 12 points. Uh, Dennis Schroeder, 23 points. Uh, he got to the line uh, more than anybody else on the team. Eight assists, six boards. Uh, he's he he. I have not loved Dennis Schroeder <laughs> uh, this season so far, but he he really helped in this game. And off the bench, Jabari Parker was huge for Jabari in Parker half. in the first half. I, I I mean he that was a spark and and he shifted I think he created some momentum for for us in the first half. That was that was big. Uh, totally unexpected too. And with Al Horford out, uh, I think that
1: mattered. Yeah, it was tough for us to get going early in the game. I felt like our passing accuracy was just way off and and we were being a little flashy with the ball. And I think think that's kind of a theme so far this year. Uh, Guys like to pass on our team. We have Al Horford now who's an extra passer. People are talking about Robert Williams as a passer out of the post. But really, we just have a bunch of guys who are good passers and who are being kind of fancy with it and nobody who's an amazing great passer we don't have a lamello ball on our team to make things contagious like that or even a scotty Barnes, you know who's who at that size is is really an elite passer um and and mike i know that you've been thinking a lot about like having more ball movers on this team and kind of missing something there do you think grant williams is going to be that or do you think we need to go out and find somebody like that
2: um no I I mean Grant Williams is not that like Grant Williams is I mean I I love the way that Grant Williams has been playing to start the season I, he's hitting he's hitting threes he's moving his feet on defense way better than he had certainly last year obviously he slimmed down that's been talked about a lot and it it and he's the showing shooting. up and, and yeah and the shooting it, um and he, you know he's so he's playing solid D he's making he's making the kind of simple play um, and he's, and he's hitting, hitting his shots, but he's not like the kind of see he's not like a Draymond green type passer, not to, not to evoke the the comparison that's created so much problems for Grant Williams so far in his career already. But um, no, I mean that the Celtics could clearly benefit from, and, and, from, from a player that, I mean, and Schroeder did this pretty effectively this game, he's been hit or miss. I agree kind of Adam with what you were saying uh, over the first four games of the season, but Schroeder is the only guy that like consistently just gets past the first line of the defense into, you know, in, into the, into the teeth of the defense draws defenders down. um, And if he's looking to make plays for others, uh, that's really powerful. Uh, I'd love for the Celtics to have like a true table setter that has the ability to penetrate uh, past that first line of defense. Um, Tatum, that said, Tatum uh, did have a pretty good playmaking game this game, but but it's still not his wiring to do. See, that. I
1: feel like we're I feel like we're missing somebody like who who's not necessarily going to get past the first line of defense, but is it has the vision and the passing IQ to to be a difference maker in that way, you know, like you were, Mike, you were talking about Lonzo ball, trying to pick him up or trade for him or sign and trade for him and trying to get him, you know, I think for like two seasons now, I've always poo pooed that idea. And now he's really come into his own, you know, for the third season in a row, he's shooting well, at least in the beginning of this season for, from three. And he just has that high level IQ where he's always looking up the court. He's always trying to early it up. He's always trying to, thread the needle always trying to throw the baseball pass like just like his brother showed tonight against the celtics like we just don't have that was a wild like pass
2: that. that was so good by by lamello that that full court baseball pass to to hayward over Schroeder. that was like a quarterback <laughs> hitting their receiver on the outside shoulder it was brilliant um yeah no i mean look i i wouldn't have been I wouldn't be against adding Alonzo. I'd I'd love for Alonzo to be on this team instead of let's say um Josh Richardson <laughs> based on how he's been playing so far. But uh yeah, I all all that said, I mean, over the first 4 games I I do want to hit on a couple of things that I've noticed that are encouraging all told. I feel like you know, if we take a, a step back, we've had Two games that have been, you know, right on the on the fence, that have gone to overtime. One fell our way, the other one fell the other way. Um, we had one just debacle, per, you know, dud against the Raptors where we lost by 30 at home, um, despite them missing, like, two of their starters and us having everybody. Um, and then we won a game that we, it would have been just, uh, horrifically embarrassing if we did anything other than win and we only won it by 10 which wasn't that overwhelmingly compelling um so i feel like this season so far could be interpreted any direction you want to take it (laughs) depending on your uh uh predilection but ime I, i think is starting to show some things about himself and and we're seeing some key differences between him and Brad. He doesn't go nearly as deep into the rotation, which is something that drove all of us crazy. He's making much quicker and kind of decisive adjustments about about the rotation. Even bringing Jabari in off the bench when Horford was out this game and and the way he kept the rotation pretty tight um, was was different than how he approached the first game against the Knicks. Um, you know, Neesmith is just riding the pine and that's just how it's going to be, uh, whether, whether people want it or not, but he's not getting like those three minutes a game, um, in the middle of the game. And, and I think that the offense is starting to kind of make sense for, for the players and they're, they're benefiting from some of the continuity here that I think has hurt some of the recent season, the, the Celtics teams in recent seasons. What do you guys think of that?
0: yeah I, I completely agree with the rotation piece um I mean it's uh, it's hard to see Aaron Niesmith on the bench and then come in against the Rockets and play sparingly and not shoot at all that great which I I would would say is due to to his role right now which is basically to sit on the bench unless he's called upon um Josh Richardson did not have a good game tonight and I'm I'm questioning his place in the rotation uh ahead of Romeo and Nismith right now is what it seems like. Uh, but I, I am glad that uh, Imeo Doka has shortened the rotation from from what it used to be. And and what happens in, in every case is that through injuries and other reasons, guys get a chance to play throughout the season. So if you're not in the rotation right now, it does not mean that you won't be for the rest of the season. And I think that guys need to know what their role is. It helps with preparation. And uh, I do think it makes a difference on the court.
1: What do you guys think of Gordon Hayward tonight? He's, he's coming in. I've got a hair update, an NBA hair update for you guys. Gordon Hayward's coming into the season for the first time, I think, in his career since his rookie season with no hair product. Any comments on that? Changing it up? Nope. No comment. You think it will change his injury uh, proclivity? They the question is, who product. The hair product, it was the hair product all along, no?
0: Did he slip on product? Is that what you're saying, Josh?
1: um i I don't i don't know you think he was dripping i mean he's always been really (laughs) greased up i want
0: to i want to say one more thing about about this game uh mike and this goes back to your your comment mike about wishing we had a table setter i think emo odoka's uh his offense is is predicated on ball movement the idea is that everybody becomes a ball mover uh, tonight, 33 assists to only 12 turnovers. Nice to see those turnovers coming down from that Toronto game. Oof, uh, but the 33 assists—that's what you want to see here. Uh, and and I agree, it would be lovely to have more than just Dennis Schroeder who can get in the lane and and then dish it out. I think Jalen Brown can too, and does a great job of that. But but he's never been uh, a, a not a good passer. It's not what I want to say. But but someone who's. Um, Who's looking out for for the defenses' full defensive rotations and who's coming open? He's he's either like looking for his shot um, or he's he's looking for a simple pass. And I'm really hoping that this system helps both Jalen Brown and Tatum uh, learn to become much more advanced, nuanced passers. I think that Marcus Smart, I've always thought of him as a very underrated passer but um there uh, there's something seems to be off with smart earlier this season he looked yeah, a lot let's... better later in in today's game but um and robert williams i think is a phenomenal passer for his size al of course al horford phenomenal passer so i think there are enough passers on this team there are not many you can count on one hand the number of passers like lamella ball in the nba as a whole so uh, to to hope that we get that like that's not going to happen and i'd rather you know, have uh, i'd rather have the guys that we have than uh, someone who can pass and and table set, but may not be as good of a shooter uh, or defender.
2: As good as uh, as good of a shooter as Josh Richardson. I mean, like, <laughs> who are we? Who are we? So you just want to here? replace like, Richardson? Sure. Yeah. I like. I I think. I think that's we, a different so conversation to basi- me. Basically, between like smart. I mean, this isn't. This isn't entire. This isn't fair to smart because he he does a little bit more than the other two guys I'm going to say, but, like, Smart and Richardson and Romeo. And and you could pro- maybe add Schroeder in there, though. Though he's making me reluctantly embrace him <laughs> uh, in, in the aggregate. But, like, I don't think there's room for two of the, the three guys I said between Smart, Schroeder, and Richardson, let alone all three in a rotation in the NBA because they don't have enough shooting they're They're a bit overlapping in the types of guys they can defend. Smart is the most complete of the three of them by far. Um, so like replacing one of them with like, uh, you know, and I, I, I put this in the Celtics blog Slack, a guy like Ricky Rubio, who I'm not enamored with, but I think he's a very solid defender. Underappreciated on the defensive end, and he generally makes his teams better when he's on the court. Um, and he's an elite, he's got elite vision and passing. Um, and I think just having a guy come off the bench that helps set other guys up would be very helpful for this team.
1: Well, Mike, Um, have you seen? So that's the kind of guy
2: I mean. Have you watched a Cleveland game yet this year? I have not watched a Cleveland game. You got
1: to watch a Cleveland game because Ricky Rubio is balling. Ricky, he's also, uh, He's cut all his hair off, pretty much. He hasn't had his hair this short <laughs> since
2: his... You really... You're all... But with we'll, the big we'll beard... Have a, we'll we'll add a new beard. segment for you, Josh. The hair report. Yeah. With I Josh got the Mutant. NBA Fresh. hair update. With the big Fresh beard. Cuts. Ricky
1: Rubio's looking like Zach Galifianakis out there with the short hair and the big beard. But he's just balling. And it's like, Ricky's playing like... He's slowed way down. And so like he'll score and then his transition to, to pivot and turn and get his body moving back up the court. Like his arms are moving real fast. His brain's moving. You can see it all moving, except that the body's just like way behind. Uh, so he you, you can see the aging process happening with Ricky Rubio Look, this I'll, year. But I mean, he's knocking I'll, down threes. He's leading that team. He's, he's providing the veteran leadership that you're talking about for a young Cleveland team and, and keeping them composed when, you know, that's been the least composed team of the last five years with all the stuff that's been going on with their two young point guards and Kevin Love and all that. They're looking feisty though. Like this whole Eastern conference is, is, is like what the West used to be.
2: Yeah, there's not, I, except for maybe Detroit. Um, I don't, I don't know that there's any like true pushovers in the East right now. Um, which is, which is a major, a major step forward for the conference. Um,
0: Mike, what would you say Josh Richardson is shooting from three this year so far?
2: I'm going to go with like 24%. Yeah,
0: that is not I would,
2: accurate. I would, or 22%. It is not accurate. What is it?
0: Nope. He's shooting 45% after this game. Five of 11. From three? Yep.
2: I can't possibly. That's impossible. <laughs> <laughs> Yep.
1: <laughs>
2: so Josh Richardson
1: uh, and Dennis, Schroeder uh, despite are,
2: you are... telling me that while looking at the stats, <laughs> I still don't believe it.
1: <laughs> Schroeder and yeah, Richardson. before coming are two into guys... this
0: game, he was shooting
1: fifty-six percent from three. Wow, and he was only zero for two to get today. Even though yep. it seemed like he was zero for eight. Those two guys are are guys who just can't keep their hips straight. Like they go up to shoot, and they're just twisting their hips. Like their their feet are never landing in the same footprints that they started in. Um, you know, so they're they're never those two guys are never gonna be consistent shooters. Um I think our only hope this year is to make sure or to, to hope that emo Odoka makes sure that certain guys don't shoot certain shots. You know, like there's gotta be a good shot definition with this team because those those two I mean, when we're passing up good shots for great shots, but then the the great the great pass is going to one of those two guys, Schroeder or Richardson. It's not a recipe for success. To me, uh,
0: let's talk a- about more trends for the season so far. Imo Odoka has said uh, in a recent press conference that the team is almost looking at this as like an extended preseason. There are things <laughs> that they're working out. And uh, I, when Jeff Clark was on the this program a week ago, we spoke about how there were two advantages that this team has. Um, the first is the depth of the bench, and the second is the youth on this team, which last year obviously was a disadvantage. Now, at least Jeff was saying he's looking at that as an advantage and I said, "Yeah, I made the comment that we don't have a single rookie on this team this year and wh- how great that is." And I forgot, I was wrong about that. I forgot that we do have a rookie on this team and his name is Emeo Odoka. We have a rookie head coach and he has shown that in in some ways this season so far. Uh and and look, if you're a, a Celtics fan and you're ready to fire Udoka. You are wrong. You need to give this guy some time. He is learning his job, and he's going to be good at it. He, uh, he's he got some phenomenal pedigree. Uh, I loved the clip that they showed in, in this Charlotte game of the locker room after last after the, the first win of the season against the Rockets, where they gave the game ball to him. And the whole team was was excited and jumping up and down and yelling and tossing water on, on Ime Odoka, excited for him to get his first win as a head coach. That's the kind of locker room you want, uh, especially after like the the idea that the team tuned out Brad Stevens last year. I'm I'm a big Udoka fan, but so so don't get me wrong when I when I uh, don't misunderstand me when I bring these a couple things up here. There's he is he is learning here, and there's a couple of examples of that. The first is the way that the the team guarded um, uh, the the Knicks power forward. What's his name? Randall. Yeah, the, the way that the team guarded Julius Randall in the you mean, game, you mean with
1: Grant Williams
0: getting blown by over and over again? Not just with Grant Williams, but I, I think that Randall played really poorly against Robert Williams. And the yeah. idea that once you f- figure that out, the idea that you're not don't just stick Robert Williams on him and stop switching that action, uh, that they should have done that. And I think that that would have made a big difference in that game. And well, they did uh, do it
1: eventually. Yeah, eventually. And then eventually, that. And then. Julius Randle started shooting threes, which he doesn't do all that well consistently. And that's kind of how he was played off the floor a little, not off the floor, but, you know, downplayed in the playoffs. You know, they, you expose Julius Randle's weakness, which is shooting threes. Now, I mean, during the regular season last year, he hit threes at a really good clip. So uh, it was only in the playoffs that his shooting dropped and and in this, yep. you know, this game with the Celtics. So, But, you know, that's when you have a big, strong dude like that, you got to put more length on him and... Uh, Adam, if we had yeah. put Robert Williams on him in, in the beginning of the game like that, you know, Williams could have had too many fouls to be an option later in the game. All
0: right, well, what about this other idea? And that is against Toronto, which is a very long team. Scotty Barnes is the small forward and he's he's basically a seven-footer. Uh, there was a lineup that, that got put out there with about two and a half minutes left in the first. That was Schroeder, Pritchard, two guys that are basically six feet tall, Josh Richardson, Romeo Langford and Grant Williams is the biggest guy on the court. So Grant is six, six. He's the, he's the biggest guy out there. Uh, and this is against a lineup that I think had uh Boucher, Kem Birch, both big men and Anobi who's big. Uh, so all three of those guys are basically bigger than anybody on our team. And then uh Mikhailik and, and Dragic, and, I'm like, this is a preseason. Like once I saw them out there at the very beginning, I thought, what are you doing? This is a preseason lineup. Why are you playing so small against this team? We got destroyed on the glass. We couldn't get, uh, close out a, a defensive possession because we couldn't get the, an, the rebound. And there was, I think that, that was when they they had like 13, not just for this lineup, but they had 13 or 15 offensive rebounds in the first half of that game. It was just, it was really, really ugly. Uh, I think it was a negative five in basically two minutes that they were on the court altogether. Two and a half minutes, um, they gave up six offensive rebounds in just two possessions. And then at the start of the second uh, quarter, Horford was inserted back in the game along with Brown. Um, but I th- that's when we lost the lead, and we basically never got it back in that game.
1: Yeah, uh, I think I, I think there's um, there's. I don't like the quote, you know, the quote being, this is a continuation of the preseason. Like that's just like saying the regular season doesn't matter to me. And treat that lineup is kind of an example of like, we're experimenting out here. Um, Like it's still the preseason. So I I think you're right about that, Adam. I don't, I don't like either of those moves, both the lineup and the quote. Um, But, you know, I, I don't think they're that terrible at the same time. We were not playing well in that Toronto game. And, uh, who knows if that was like the turning point or not. I do like what you did there with Svi Mihailuk's name where you called him Mc- Mikhailuk. I think that any difficult name to pronounce, we should try to insert former Celtics players' names into our pronunciation <laughs> of them. That's like true Celtics pride. Uh, I just I don't, don't want to, that to go under the radar here,
2: Adam. Um, I, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I would say that I agree. There were some questionable lineups. I mean, pretty much everything about that Raptors game was pretty disgusting uh, aside from maybe, you know, like the first eight minutes, if I, if I remember correctly, though, I've tried to scrub most of that game from my memory. Um, If you were Raptors fan, you would be very excited about Scotty Barnes after that game. um, Understandably so, but you know, I go back to the point to, to, to what I said earlier, which is, I mean, in years past, Stevens would do the same thing and he'd have some crazy lineups out there, except that would extend like 20 or so games into the season. I have the impression that Udoka is about to lock in on the rotation, like within the next game or two. Like he knows who he wants to play in what situations. And I feel like that's a lot clearer at this point in the season by far than it's been in years past with Stevens. And I think so... It's like, yeah, it's not ideal. I totally agree with what you said, Josh. I I don't like uh, making assertions about that that in any way characterize the regular season as not mattering, especially with um, a team that I feel like has kind of rested on the laurels of not actually as much success as they act like they've had. Yeah, Like, sure, they've gotten to the Eastern Conference finals, but they've never gotten to the finals. They certainly haven't won a championship. Um, so any, any message that, you know, um, furthers this notion that the regular season doesn't matter, and they can kind of switch a gear when they're very much not Le- Lebron James, who's like the only one in the NBA that's earned the right to to operate that way, um, is a bit troubling. But, but I do think we're seeing some real impact in Udoka's style. Um, I do think the players are starting to complain a little less. I do, I do think that, um, you know, we're, we're starting to see these decisions being made uh, about the rotation. I think, you know, Adam, you mentioned kind of the way the team celebrated. I think there's been some really telling comments. You know, Jalen Brown made a comment about really wanting to, to kind of be out there for Udoka's, you know, coming off of COVID for Udoka's first game. Um, Grant Williams made a comment about just how much all of the players like respect and appreciate Udoka being there. Um, and there, there's just, you know, these, these comments are both like, I, I interpret them as simultaneous praise for Udoka and like very subtle shade about, um, how tired the players were of Brad Stevens and, and the way Mm -hmm. he was delivering his message or the way he was relating to them. I think everyone respected Brad, but was like it's just it just furthers that you know Brad had effectively lost that locker room, um, which which there was a reluctance to kind of acknowledge in real time. I think, but I but I think the comments we're hearing make it clear that the players really wanted a different voice and a different a different kind of messenger, and I think um, the players really appreciate how straight a shooter and how direct and, and sometimes pointed the commentary from Udoka is.
1: Yeah. He's pretty direct. I think that's, that's a kind of a nice message and a nice change of pace from Brad. Who's always, you always feel like he's holding his cards close to his vest, even if he doesn't have any cards, you know? Um, and even as a GM, you know, he's completely silent so far. So I, I think that that's a good thing, uh, after this kind of a transition, I totally agree with you, Mike.
0: Let me ask you both about a topic that is effort and exhaustion. This is the second overtime game in the first four games this year with the double overtime against the Knicks. Uh, After that Knicks game, a lot of players looked tired and Emi Odoka actually made the comment that it looked like they they were tired from the game two days before. Now, granted, they had a lot of players play 48 minutes, Including Rob Williams, um, you've had a couple of players miss miss time, like uh, Jalen Brown and, and Horford, and, and potentially that could have been related to Robert Williams missing the last preseason game. Um, I, the team has also looked exhausted at multiple points this year so far, and it's it's early in the season. They should not be this tired early in the season, in my opinion. What do you guys make of this? Of them looking so tired and and potentially not. Putting in uh, what I would expect is like a hundred percent effort in every for forty eight minutes in
1: each of these games. Well, load management um, is. I think. I think the idea of load management overall is is involves some slippage. Involves like load management is kind of a game to game thing, but then it also is like a regular season to postseason type of thing. And it can mm-hmm. easily slip into being, uh, you know, like I try hard on offense but not on defense, or I try hard in this mm-hmm. game but not in that game, or I'm I'm hurting and so I'm gonna go out there, but I'm not gonna give it a hundred.
0: And yeah, it's like I good, mean...
1: bad? Uh, I think it's really negative, but I don't wanna be that guy. I think it's just more like that that is how that is the nature of it, whether you're pro load management for the long-term results or you're anti it because you're more old school. Um, I'm, I'm someone who's more old school, but, and, and it pains me to watch Jason Tatum um, float at certain moments or play soft as he has at certain times throughout his career. I, I'm not saying, I don't want to bring that up right now after a game like this, because he's, he played great and played tough uh, even at the end of the game, you know, when he could have, uh, just waited it out the clock and taken a shot clock violation, he
2: went in there and took a not a hard foul, but took a foul, took a hard fall. And yeah, I think I think he I think he wanted a dunk there, so they'd probably want to take take back the the way that one ended. But
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, he hit two free throws to get him forty one points. Maybe he wanted the forty the forty piece. So I don't know. Um, I, I, so I don't think it's all that great, but it's more just the nature of the beast.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm not. I'm not worried about the energy level thing at all, to be honest. Like um, it's early in the season, which it it was a shorter training camp uh, than, than NBA teams have had in the past. Um, Obviously not counting kind of the last two years with, with, or the last, last season with COVID uh, adjustments. Um, I think on top of kind of the play, there are a couple of differences in the way that, udoka is running this rotation than in years past like rob williams is has played over 30 minutes i think in three of the four games uh and he had done that like twice in his career before this season Uh, so yeah he's probably gassed and he's getting used to playing uh, nba level competition for that long uh, for the first time ever um you know guys like Jalen and jason and 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 smart uh, they're all they're all playing long minutes, and and the rotation is shorter than it used to be. Brad kept guys at like thirty to thirty-one minutes. I think Udoka is going to get guys a little higher than that on the regular. Um, so I think there's an adjustment there, and at the same time, they're they're probably thinking a little harder right now about everything that they're doing because they're kind of learning a new offensive and defensive system, and we're seeing kind of some of the the issues like their three-point defense is pretty atrocious right now. Um, They mess up a lot of their switches and forget who's supposed to switch where. And so you see some of those glitches on the defensive end all the time. Um, It's looked to me like starting somewhere like with six minutes remaining in the second quarter against Houston, it looked like they kind of started to figure out some of the offensive sets and the timing and, and you know, over the last kind of game and a half, I thought their offense has really started to kind of look a lot cleaner. Um, but so I, I mean, I chalk a lot of this up with kind of all of those factors more than, more than anything that I'd be concerned about at this point. And as we were talking about earlier, we do have, you know, guys like Neesmith and Langford and um, what have you, like kind of available for extended depth. Um, if a guy is, is kind of needs, needs a breather for a game, it's a long season, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure we'll kind of figure that out and roll it out and, and, and make sure kind of guys are are staying sufficiently fresh, but but I do think it's also valuable to kind of balance that load management concept with having guys kind of ready to grind in the postseason. And I and I feel like if you skew too far into load management, you you have a risk of kind of having guys forget how to like play highest leverage minutes when they're completely exhausted, which is something you kind of have to build up for.
1: Yeah. Yeah, there's a huge amount of buildup for that. I think either way, there's we have young legs. We're, we have youth on our side. I mean, the, the old guy of the bunch who at least who looks exhausted and has had to take a day off, Jalen Brown just turned 25. You know, these guys are 22, 24. So e- either way you slice it, I think that we're going to be fine. We also have the depth that I think is important in, in COVID era basketball. And uh, it's more to me like about you know, can if guys are always going to be taking a day off? Jalen Brown last game, Horford this game. You know, can Udoka have set lineups like Mike? You think he will? Um, and 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 can we compete in the Beast of the East right now? I mean, when you when you go down the line of all the teams in the Eastern Conference, I mean, the Bulls are playing out of their mind right now. The Hornets, we just saw. You know, when Rose, Rozier gets back, they're going to be even better. You know, the, the Bucks won the championship last year. We saw the Knicks They're, in my opinion, at the same level as us or better than us. We're going to see the Wizards twice coming up here, and they're no slouch. The, then you got the Hawks, right? The Sixers, the Nets. I mean, the Heat, are I think, are a top three team in the East. The Cavaliers are really feisty. You know, you, the Magic is, is kind of a pushover. The Pistons are too. But even the Raptors and the Pacers, the Pacers are playing really well. I thought the loss of Aaron Holiday uh, was going to be a big deal to them. And, and Chris, Chris Duarte is even better. Hits more shots and is longer and a better defender and just as good of a playmaker. I mean, he's a really a real steal at, I believe, the 13th pick in the draft. So if there's 11 or 12 teams here in the Eastern Conference, I'm, I'm guaranteeing right now that the Eastern Conference is going to be the, the conference to win the NBA championship. And, and how we stack up to that, is the big question mark to me right now, because it's not like we're playing in last year's Eastern conference or the year before where we can just be kind of regular versions of ourselves and still make it deep into the playoffs, ECF three out of four years, right? Like that's not an option this year. We have to be an extra special version of our self, not only as individuals, but as a team to be able to be successful this year.
2: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I agree with, with a lot of that. I, th- I think, I don't know. I mean, look, I was I was feeling pretty blue about this team after the second game, you know, after the the heartbreaking loss to the Knicks and just getting blown out by the Raptors, but um you know, you I like I said I I am seeing some encouraging signs. I thought this this win against the Hornets was really really gritty. Um that that was a Hornets team that was 3 and 0 before we played them, including kind of a a a, a bit of a uh, winning winning going away against the nets um uh in their mm-hmm. last game um and then they had beat uh, you know a scrappy cavs team but not overwhelming and a and a pacers team who uh is solid but also one and three um you know the bulls you mentioned I'm not sold on them yet uh they're 4 and 0 uh that includes winning this evening against uh uh that toronto team who is also one and three, their only win coming against us. And that blowout was on the heels of them themselves getting blown out in their first game of the season. So I'm, I'm starting to talk myself into that, that game being a bit aberrational for, for a number of reasons, uh, both for the Celtics and the Raptors more than, more than kind of representative, all of which to say is I agree, Josh, that the East is definitely way more competitive this year than it's been in years past. Uh, but I still, I st- still think the Celtics can kind of get their heads wrapped around what they actually need to bring to this game to game, and uh, and that Udoka can be the right messenger to get them to kind of lock in and start taking this stuff, you know, not go through the motions the way they did at minimum last year, um, and and I think if the Celtics lock in, they're still. You know, I, I I am not going to move away from my kind of top four in the East uh speculation, but it it's it's far from a sure thing. I mean, it, it's gonna be super competitive. I agree with that.
0: Well, looking ahead to this next week, we have a home and home against Washington and then we play Chicago. Josh, I didn't Didn't hear you mention Chicago and and your favorite player in the NBA, uh, or maybe the best player in the NBA, DeMar DeRozan. Were you upset that DeMar didn't make the the top 75 team?
1: Oh, I mentioned Chicago. Uh, I said they're playing out of their mind is what I said. I didn't stop and and (laughs) detail how each player is doing, but I can if you'd like. What is the the hair
2: situation? on chicago could you could you yeah so hair up got chicago bulls edition yeah
1: nba hair update chicago bulls edition is that alex caruso has finally just kept it all clean and shaven nothing fancy in the back there because he's got nothing in the front not trying to do anything uh he's just keeping it clean and he's balling i mean he's he's diamond people up like he's a ball mover you know, he's, he's, he's not a Lonzo ball or a lamelo ball, but he's kind of the next level down in the Marcus smart mold. I think, you know, he would be a guy that, that if you add him, he makes passing contagious. Um, DeRozan is, is this like the glue guy with that team. He's the guy who just keeps punishing people and pushing the envelope because he's always looking to score in the mid range and get to the rim and get to the free throw line. Um, so he's kind of like the balance to the Zach Levine uh, Lonzo ball you know, uh, kind of fast break and 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 um, athletic finishing and um, kind of maybe more uh, dynamic and uh, and then there's always like Vucevic ready to go. Patrick Williams is back. He missed a, the first game or the first two games, but he's back and and guarding the other team's best wings and best post players. So, I mean, this is this is a team to be reckoned with. I think this is a playoff lock and. Um, yeah, this is like another one of these teams, just like the Hornets, that I think is like a league pass must. Like that, they're they're so fun to watch. They've got several players. Um, even Javante Green's been balling out. I know you guys haven't watched the Bulls game yet. Javante Green has been balling. Some of the dunks he's had, some of the steals he's had, um, even hitting a couple of threes. Like he's he's showing that his time developing with the Boston Celtics has paid off for another team, and and he's kind of fitting right in. To that flashy style that they have over there in Chicago. So, uh, didn't Javante you know
0: start the? Didn't he start the year as a starter?
1: Oh, I don't know. I didn't. I thought that. I'd heard that.
0: What about Kobe White? Top five, six man of the year, according to you, Josh? Kobe? Yeah, White. I don't
1: think he's played yet. I
2: think he's,
1: <laughs> I, think he's, I think he's injured right now. So he hasn't. He, he hasn't but even been a part of what I like. Is so much His hair fresh. <laughs> All
2: right, I think. Josh, what are, what are the stakes? What are the stakes on that bet? Chicago we, Bulls. Stakes, All right. we, we got to
0: figure out stakes uh, the bet that you and i made that you said kobe white would be a top five in the sixth man of the year this year oh. i said no you said yes yeah. so we, we haven't determined stakes for that bet we have to we figure that um,
1: out i say chipotle <laughs> yeah <enough> for that <laughs> that's a chipotle bet
0: all right. Well, hey, thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, tune in next week. We'll be back on Tuesday, as always, talking about the most recent games. Uh, well, Josh can give you a hair update for each of them. We'll go into deep detail, follicle-wise. And uh, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe.